Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. And this week we have got a little rerun for you, friends. Just a couple of weeks ago, if you're listening in real time, we had our teaching biography and memoir workshop. And whenever we do a workshop like this, we've done two Shakespeare workshops, we've done a dystopia workshop, and now we've done biography and memoir. We always get questions about our other workshops and especially the dystopia workshop. Teaching dystopia is such a poignant genre to cover in any day and age, but especially right here and right now in the US and many other parts of the world. And so we got quite a few questions through the biography and memoir workshop itself. And then also through our different Instagram, and um, other social media channels about dystopia, teaching dystopia, about the workshop, how to access it, etc. And it made us go, you know what? It might bear repeating some of the context and reasoning behind what we think about dystopia, why we think dystopia belongs in every classroom, frankly, whether it's English language arts or otherwise, elements of dystopia can always really enhance whatever it is that you're doing in your classroom. So we bring to you today a rerun of an episode from a couple seasons ago from episode 61 to teach dystopia. No, it is not. I'm sorry. It's entitled living in a dystopian world. And I think I even quote like Madonna, or maybe I start singing it in it or something like that. But If you already heard the episode, it might bear a re-listen because we have a whole lot of thought-provoking things, as well as just some of our favorite texts and what we like to do with them. It was the beginning of a whole series in Dystopia, so if you want to take a look 
like back in some of the archives of the podcast, you can find a whole series on dystopia. Um, make sure to check out the show notes as well, because we have a link to our dystopia workshop. If that is something that you would like to take a look at either for yourself or for your department or something like that, it is available right here, right now for you to take a look. It's got tons of strategies and materials and all kinds of stuff to bring dystopia either as a full unit or just even individual lessons into your classroom. And yeah, as always, connect with us on Instagram and let us know, or even just send us an email at bravenewteaching at gmail.com. Let us know what your biggest takeaways are. Let us know what you would like to see more of on the podcast. And Amanda and I will be back with you next week together with a brand new episode and we cannot wait to catch up. But until then... Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today, we are going to talk about one of the favorite topics of the two English language arts teachers who you are listening to right now. Amanda and I are talking today about dystopia and why we believe it belongs in every classroom in the world. No, but especially in every English classroom, we're going to make the case for dystopia, why we teach it, how we teach it a little bit. And we've got a cool announcement. Amanda, you want to take it away? You know, I kind of want to make people wait till the end of the episode, but let's be honest. I want you to listen to the episode, not just scrub through and get to the end for the announcement. So yeah, if you had fun last spring and you came to our spring Shakespeare teacher festival, you'll be excited to know that we're doing this all over again. Yeah, we are. And our fall festival will not be Shakespeare. It will be all things dystopia. So Oh my word. So you need to, we're giving you an early announcement. Registration is not quite open yet, but I was just telling Marie, if I was in the classroom, I would love to get my department together and say, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to watch these videos and like schedule some time for the end of the week to have a department meeting and actually, you know, hash out some of the things that we learned because a collaborative PD to me is always some of the best PD. So if you have a crew you can do it with, we're giving you a heads up. The week of September 27th is when all those videos will be live. We, of course, will give you an extended access pass opportunity, but if you can be there in the moment with us that week, we can't wait to see you there. We're super excited. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned. We've been going through our own archives from our classes and our curriculum, and it's some of our favorite stuff that we include in our classrooms. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're really going to make the case for like why dystopia, but we also just want to let you all know that we have a PD opportunity coming up for you very, very soon. And actually speaking of time, you know what it's time for? No. What time is it? It's time to cue the music. It's time to cue the music. listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends, we are really excited about this dystopian festival that is coming up this fall. But in preparation for that, we kind of like sat down and we were like, 
what do people want to hear? We talk a lot here at Brave and Teaching about specifically English language arts because that's like our realm, but we do talk about teaching in general. Today's going to be one of those niche days where if we're talking about a specific genre of literature, we are often starting the conversation of what is it that we want to get rid of? right? Like what is it from the canon, the quote unquote classics that are not really serving anybody very well, especially not as fully as any one piece or any one anything should be serving us and our students in our classrooms with our limited time and our limited resources. Anything and everything we put in our classroom needs to be really full impact, right? So when we really think about dystopia, it's something that there are definitely some dystopias that I've done away with, to make room for more. So like, why? Why is dystopia as a specific genre so exciting to us and in general? And why is it something that we believe should be in every ELA classroom? We've got three kind of like points that we're going to use to make our case. And Amanda's going to start us with the first one. No, I'm not. I didn't write them down. No, she's not. She's not. She didn't write them down. I wrote them down. I said them out loud to you, but I didn't write them down. I mean, I (laughs) I helped, but yes. Okay. So we've got, why don't I list them, Amanda? How about that? Let's hear. Okay. What were, I like, I know what they are, but like, I did not write them down. So Go we ahead. talked about the following three things. We talked about how, and this is how you know that Brave New Teaching is equal parts. Like let's think it through, not equal parts. It's like 20%. Let's think it through. And then 80% off the cuff because you get like let's the true talk. genuine. This is, yes, we are in what we do. We've said that it is always relevant. Dystopia is always relevant. Number two, it's popular and engaging and it does the job for us in a lot of ways. And then it's got limitless possibilities when it comes to scaffolding, when it comes to supplements. Like it's just so never ending. It's always relevant, Amanda. It is. So number one, it's always relevant. And I think, you know, when we were kind of brainstorming, making the case for you all, I don't think there are a lot of you that we need to convince because I think that these three things are very apparent to most of us who teach it and love it. And that relevance piece for me really speaks to the fact that I've been teaching dystopia for 10 years and I don't feel like it's lost steam. I can't say that for other genres or other units or even other books, but dystopia, because the world continues, because the goal of a dystopia, right? The genre is to critique society, is to point out flaws we somehow managed to continue to live in a very flawed world. So, you know, the overlaps never stop. Well, it's because we're humans. I mean, it's humans are flawed and therefore a human society has to be flawed. And so a dystopia that generally, you know, the arc of a dystopia is it begins with some sort of a utopia, right? And then somehow the veil falls or we peek behind it or whatever it is. And the dystopian nature of that world or society really comes forward And the thing that I've always taken away from any dystopia I've ever read, and I like the more like fantasy dystopias because I'm like that and I like fairies and vampires and crap, but like even still a perfect society that then has a hole poked in it and you see all the cracks within, it makes you raise questions. That's the thing about dystopias for me. It's the questions. And that's how it lends itself so nicely to my classroom is because we get to ask questions. We get to ask questions about our own teeny tiny little bubbles We get to ask questions about our classroom, quote unquote society, about our school, about our world, right? Like it raises the questions for us and it gives us these amazing parallels with characters that we can liken ourselves to or distance from. It's just got all the things and it's so relevant. I know some of you teach middle school and 
but if you teach high school, I mean, I guess I just can't speak to it because I've not been in a middle school setting, but I know for high school, this is also what I've experienced as the first time that kids get permission to peek through that veil, to poke some of those holes. And the literature makes that accessible to them. And that's like that automatic engagement piece is I can say, well, let's look at college admissions. Let's look at voting rights. Let's look at, you know, you name it. Kids are going to all of a sudden for the first time be doing their own poking. God, that really got bad fast. Okay. Yeah. Let's, we're going to take ourselves out of a high school setting and talking about poking for a minute (laughs) and go back into, so it's always relevant, right? There's always going to be some sort, I mean, you can look at history, you can look at current events, you can look at all sorts of things, always relevant. Even, you know, some of the titles from the canon, like they're still relevant as well because they bring up those great questions. Yes. It's popular and engaging. Dystopias are made into the Hunger Games franchise. They're made into the Maze Runner franchise. They're made into these huge Hollywood blockbuster events because they're engaging. And it does the work for us, right? Like it pulls kids in. I've got, I, I jotted down some of my students' current favorites whenever we do our dystopian choice novel unit and like they can't get enough of them. And most of their series and the kids read multiples in the series because it's so engaging. It's not always the most highbrow lit and that's okay. What are some of your kids' favorites? What are, what are lately? Some of their favorites have been the red queen series by Victoria Aveyard. The maze runner series is a, it's tried and true. The uglies series, which is like uglies, pretties, uh, Mm -hmm. toes. I don't know what the next ones are, but I always forget unwind the Neil Schusterman unwind. And Children of Blood and Bone. Oh, my gosh. That one, it's longer. So kids, the first book, Children of Blood and Bone, and I can't remember what the next book is called, um, the sequel. But, like, the students who choose that one, like, are so diehard because it's a long book. It's thick. It's long. It's, like, got a whole world that you have to really acclimate yourself to. But it's so good and it's so rich. And that's a little bit more of like the fantasy setting as well. But like that was just five off the bat. Like I've got other House of the Scorpion is an older book that some of my students like die for. I have kids that just like go gaga for Lord of the Flies too. So like, you know, that one still comes in. That one still is popular. Orwell, Animal Farm. That one works great. Yeah. Let's talk about this idea of popularity because I've run into the blessing and curse of the popularity of the genre. I think the blessing or the good thing about dystopia being culturally popular is our students come into our room with much more background information and exposure to the elements of that kind of storytelling. Those types of characters are familiar to my students when they walk through the door. So what's really cool about that is that I, as the teacher, the instructor, the crafter of brilliant curriculum, I can move them from a more passive, right? I've just been watching these or just been reading these for fun. I can move them from there to critical thinking conversations pretty quickly compared to other units and other genres, right? When I put Shakespeare in front of them or even a play from another genre or, you know, whatever, it takes a little bit more work to get to the harder conversations. Whereas dystopia, they're like served up on a platter ready to get deeper. And so I really like that because I do try very hard and we'll talk about this in number three to pair some of the more accessible things with the things that are more challenging. And so that's awesome. 
I think just think sometimes the downfall of popularity can be that kids come in thinking that they know everything. For so sure. you, have to, you have to work with them on that because, you know, they don't. I mean, and who does, right? But it is also <laughs> fun. <laughs> if we're asking students to do something that's like reflective and like looking inside themselves, getting them to first really examine the Katniss Everdeen that they've ever known, right? If, if we're talking about 10 years ago when kids like all really, even still Hunger Games like holds up with popularity with students, there's a preconceived notion, like you're saying, but if we're asking them to first question Katniss, then that kind of gives them a little bit of permission to question themselves, right? It's still like a great tool for breaking down some of those barriers of critical thinking, questioning, and being okay, not knowing all the answers because things are muddy and they're gray. And it's a great way to do it. And the thing I love so much about a lot of popular YA dystopia, I don't know if that was the proper order to say all of those, but is that the protagonists are our students' age. They're young adults, they're adolescents, and so there's an automatic connection, whether they can culturally or gender or any other way connect. There's already no huge age gap, no huge like place of life gap, blah, 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 right? So 100%. Limitless scaffolding. Number three. Let's get into it. I want to start here because this is what gets me so jazzed. Are we allowed to keep using that word on this podcast? Okay. I am jazzed about dystopia because I know that I can reach kids at so many different levels. I've taught dystopia to my emerging readers that were just exiting an ESL program. I've taught it to uh, gen ed students. I've taught it to AP students. And even if kids see the same text multiple times over the course of their high school career, they're going to get something new and fresh out of it for real. I know we say that about a lot of things, but for real every single time. And whether it's a short story, a podcast episode, a YouTube video, a full-length text, it's endless what you can incorporate into a dystopian unit. Yeah. I think that's why like my choice unit that I first started doing choice novel units, like it's my favorite thing to teach, right? The first ones I was doing were with dystopias because they've got so many obvious parallels, like so many obvious parallels, so many things that you connect this one excerpt from an article to every novel the kids are reading and they've all got insight for it, right? Like it it goes everywhere and they can like find, oh yeah, well laws in this society, blah, 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 blah. And like so much of what we're teaching our students in secondary is just about understanding the world around them and understanding the society that they are growing up in. And so being able to help them then question those things or like build their own frame around those things, because we're looking at something that pokes holes and questions things is such a great way for them to build their own understanding of their laws and society, like even, even the quote unquote laws of school, right? Like school rules. It's a great thing to look at a student handbook when you're looking at something like, I'm going to bring up again, animal farm. And you're looking at the, um, oh my gosh, what are they called? Commandments. I was going to say testaments and I knew I was wrong. Like I knew I was wrong. Yeah, I know. And I was just like, this one hurts my brain. Okay. So if you're looking at the commandments there and then we look at like our school handbook, like talk about limitless scaffolding, right? It's like there and you get to look at like, why was that made? Who does that serve? Blah, 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 blah. Let me, let me throw a few examples at you all who are listening. If you're looking for some supplemental texts to zhuzh up your unit just for fun. If we're speaking about scaffolding, I think this is one of the scaffolds, right? Is 
if your kids are maybe struggling readers, maybe you're doing a YA novel, but you can still give them harder short pieces or some pretty complex poetry. And you can really just kind of stretch them in different ways. So a couple of things I love teaching the ones who walk away from Omalas. If you've never read it or taught it, get on it. It's a utopian society where things go wrong pretty fast. Have you done Omalas, Marie? No. <gasps> so good. Okay. The one who walk away from Omalas, highly recommend. You can find it online. It's amazing. Um, I think a lot of people do the lottery, which is fine. It's yeah. really long. I've done a reader's theater version of that. That's much more fun than reading the whole damn thing. Cause it's that black box, man. I mean, it takes forever. It's true. We always do it in ninth grade and it's kind of like, I, every time I started, I'm like, oh, I didn't want to commit this much to this. <laughs> it's like the, it takes too long to get to the damn punchline. But yeah, anyway. I'm like, oh, can we redact some of this? And, it, and it's actually kind of hard to analyze as a dystopia. You really need to get into like the thoughts about like what tradition means. And anyway, that's besides the point. So lottery's on, on the list. I would also add to the list, there will come soft rains. Pretty mm-hmm. much anything Bradbury. Pedestrian's really good. I will throw a free download for one of my pedestrian activities in the show notes today. So you guys can grab that if you'd like. I also have come across this really cool short story that's actually been made into a brilliant YouTube video called We Ate the Children Last Mm -hmm. by Yann Martel. Have you read it or taught it? Um, I've read it and then almost taught it. And then COVID happened and I was like, not doing new things. Yeah. So good. Uh, Podcast. If you guys have never listened to or taught Limetown, you're going to thank me later. Limetown is an amazing accompaniment to any unit. I think what's so cool about it is it's a fictional podcast. I believe it's eight episodes and the episodes are written almost like War of the Worlds, like radio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, radio fiction. It's really, really good. So definitely check that one out. Um, and I'll, I'll dig through my poetry archives for you too, because there's some really cool poetry um, that will help you look at dystopian elements as well. So just remember you can, the scaffolding piece can be what's the long and what's the short. And if mm-hmm. your kids are on the struggling end of the spectrum, which usually, you know, I think ninth and 10th grade is where dystopia falls. It's nice to do a text that's a little bit more accessible paired with smaller pieces that are challenging. Yeah. We do Harrison Bergeron. I, oh, I normally love yeah, Harrison Bergeron. I do too. Cause it, it then becomes such a great foundation for everything where we come back to it and we come back to it and we come back to it. And there, yeah. And there's that short film that's Harrison Bergeron that I'm, I'm making notes to put that in the show notes as well. It's like on YouTube and you, it's like a 20 minute thing. It's really, really good. Harrison Bergeron is, is that's one of those that the kids will, if they've seen it before, don't be afraid to show it to them again. Yes. Because they'll be like, Oh yeah. And then the ballerina and then there's yeah. a lot of holes to poke, right? Once they get through the plot and kind of like that magical realism floating piece. And sure. I mean, there's a lot to do. Harrison Bergeron, if you're not careful, it could be a four day lesson. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's my whole intro. Like we, we talk about all the elements of, yes, it's, it's awesome. So as you can hear, Dear friends, listeners, we're pretty jazzed about dystopia, and we're really excited to bring you a festival where it's going to be very much like the Shakespeare Teacher Festival, if you were able to do that with us in the spring, where we're going to do five weeks of brand new content each day, going through a different aspect, different strategies of teaching uh, with dystopia in your classroom. If you are not an ELA teacher and you still want to come, of course you can, because you might be able to be like, Ooh, that pairs really well with my yada, yada, yada unit. I could use this activity, right? Like it can still, 
it's cross-curricular in a lot of ways, the things that we talk about and the strategies that we like to employ and that we like to encourage. Um, the festival itself will begin on September 27th and run that full week. We will have a lot of freebies. We'll have other goodies that are available. We'll have curriculum and other resources available in different packages. All of that is coming soon. So if you want to make sure that you get all the information on how to register, make sure you head to our show notes, bravenewteaching.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Our newsletter comes out every week or so, every week or two, but we will have information about the festival um, right when we open up registration, which will be very, very soon. We're really excited about it. Like we can't wait to start making our videos and content for that. So yes, come and come on over to Instagram and chat with me. I'm usually the one moderating that and um, come share with us more of your dystopian questions, share your favorite texts. We're going to try to curate as much as we can to hand back to you the collective ideas, text suggestions, favorite things that happen throughout that festival. So the more you share with us on Instagram, the more we can, you know, collect that all together in one place and get it right back in your hands. Absolutely. And if you have a moment, if you're not driving or getting ready for school right now, if you have a second to head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review, we would ever so appreciate it as would other Future members of the Brave New Teaching community who just haven't found us all yet, bring them in. Come on, bring them in, everybody. They're going to love it. <laughs> our, our namesake, Brave New Teaching, does come very loosely from Brave New World. And I have to tell you, the couple times I've taught Brave New World, even though it's a classic, and I will talk to you a lot about the classics, this is going to be something worth teaching forever, you guys. So if you're not already on the dystopian bandwagon, we're happy that you're here now. Absolutely. And friends, thank you so much for joining us until we meet again. Bye. Bye. Bye.